Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I'm the host of this daily podcast. It's episode 239, Friday 16th of October, and it's 20 to 11. After yesterday's episode about all the TV shows I've been watching, I reckon I'll probably finish Gossip Girl this weekend, and I don't know what will fill that void after that. And I'm still okay with my choice in TV shows, okay? I know there'll be judgment, and I'm fine with that. I still haven't quite found the reply button on my phone. I'm still keeping up my reputation of being Mr. Ghost for 2020. Today, I mainly listened to the debut album Fake It Flowers by Bieber Doobie, which sounds pretty good, although my headphones just seem to keep cutting out. I tend to listen to music while I'm riding a bike to work. I have my volume down low, so it's not inhibiting my ability to pay attention when I'm on the road. It will play for about 10 seconds and cut out. And you'll press play again. It'll play for another 10 seconds and keep cutting out. But if you happen to hold your phone in your hand when you're walking, it plays just fine. So I don't know what's doing that, but it is annoying. And I found out that Pokemon cards are apparently worth enough to buy a house in London. And I know I had a modest Pokemon card collection when I was younger. I'm fairly certain it got thrown away, and I'm just slightly kicking myself about the fact that if I had held on to those cards, I could be sitting on a pretty sweet retirement right about now. And what else? Oh, and apparently the next Spider-Man film might reunite Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and with Tom Holland, who is the current Spider-Man, which is some of the best news I've heard in this year. So, from the title of today's episode... I saw the movie Tenet in the BFI IMAX. Tenet is the latest movie by Christopher Nolan. He's a very acclaimed director, perhaps best known for The Dark Knight, the Batman film and the Batman trilogy, as well as his own films like Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and now Tenet. Christopher Nolan's birthday is around the same time of year as mine and he tends to release movies around the time of my birthday. I remember seeing Inception for my birthday, I saw The Dark Knight Rises for my birthday and I saw Tenet around early September, a few weeks ago, with a friend from work. It was a bit weird going to the cinema in this time. For starters, we accidentally bought tickets for the wrong day and it wasn't until I went to the cinema a bit earlier that I realised that, and they were kind enough to let me change my tickets to the correct day. Trying really hard not to cough as I record this. And when we went in for the film, we our seats were towards the back of the BFI IMAX screen. And for those who don't know, the BFI IMAX is, I think, the second biggest screen in Europe and the biggest screen in the UK. It's very wide, but it's also very tall. So you really look down and look up, and it takes up a really large part of your field of vision such that you actively have to look to the sides to see what's going on. It's really engrossing. But you had to watch the film with your mask on and just lower your mask if you were eating. Then when the film ended, you had to stay till the end of the credits and then they would let you out one row at a time starting at the back. So slightly different cinema experience, but still a really amazing film. Two tenets that I took away from Tenet, see what I did there, it's been highly praised, as it deserves to be. There have not... what well, When I first watched it, on my way home, I listened to a bunch of podcasts that I could find that talked more about it. Because it's one of those films where you watch it and then you just go hunting for what did everyone else think and what Easter eggs did I miss and what was this theory and that theory. Not many people are talking about 
the full storyline because not many people had seen the film. And I can only imagine how frustrating that must be for Christopher Nolan to to make something that is such a spectacle that demands a large audience only to find you releasing it in a world. You know how trailers love to use that phrase, in a world, but only to find you releasing your masterpiece. I imagine every director thinks that their most recent work is their masterpiece. Imagine releasing it and saying, hey, world, check this out, except the world can't check this out because I know in America most cinemas aren't even open. So that that has to suck just a little bit. But two things I really took away from the film is, one, someone... Loosely speaking, there is a plot about saving the world. And I'll also try to steer clear of spoilers in the hopes that at some point we will all get to go to the cinema and experience this. But there is, amongst the plot to save the world, there's a slightly different spin on it because it's less about the hero and their story and how they are going to save the world. If you think about something like Inception... That isn't so much about saving the world, but you are very aware of the story of the main character played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Same with Interstellar. That is about saving the world, or at least the world moving to another planet. And again, the main character played by Matthew McConaughey, you're very aware of the personal stakes he has in the plan working out. In Tenet, that's not so much the case. It's not so much about the hero and their personal story, and oh, their love interest, or their past, their family, or anything like that. It's more about a sense of duty. Someone says a line around the... something similar to, no one talks about, or writes about, or cares about the bomb that doesn't go off. And that struck a chord with me, the idea that, yes, when it comes to action films and saving the world, There's often a lot of spotlight on the main character and, oh, they're such a hero. But sometimes the person who saves the world is someone whose name most people won't know. It's just something they know it needs to be done and they know it's fallen upon them to do it. And that's all there is to it. And another thing is that Christopher Nolan really likes to mess with the idea of time. In Inception, you're talking about going into dreams and then dreams within a dream and the idea of time dilation. So in the world we're in now, time moves normally. When you go into one dream, time slows down. When you go into another dream within that, time slows down even more. With Interstellar, we're traveling to different planets, which have diff- which are different sizes, have different gravitational pulls, and thus time moves differently as well. So at one point, they end up on a planet for, in their time, half an hour. But in Earth time, I think it's about two years. So they plan to leave the planet, but there's a tidal wave, so they can't leave when they want to, which means they're stuck on the planet for another 30 minutes. But as far as Earth is concerned, they've been out of contact for another two years. And then you see the toll that takes on the characters as they try to keep in touch with people back home on Earth. And now with Tenet, there is some time travel involved. But again, I won't go into too much detail But thinking about how Christopher Nolan likes to twist the idea of time in his films. Oh, I forgot Dunkirk, which is about an event in the Second World War when British troops had to be saved from France. There are a bunch of British troops who were essentially stranded on a beach and the cavalry in all shapes and forms had to come from the UK to rescue them. And I think there's a pilot and you see an hour in his mind. There's a bunch of troops stuck on a boat and you see six hours in their time and there's some troops stuck on a beach 
and you see 12 hours in their time. I might be wrong, but again, it's that idea of playing with time. And at some point, the pilots, the boats and the beach all intersect in one sweeping set piece. And it had me thinking about how I perceive time. Here I am talking about Christopher Nolan and how he must feel frustrated that he can't share his work the way he would typically expect to. And I can only imagine how many of us right now are feeling so frustrated with this year. The idea that as the year started, you were probably thinking, this is my year. Everything's finally coming together. I'm going to make it work. Here we go. And the universe just said, no, not this time. And I am trying to really re-engage or exercise my capacity for patience. So what I'm trying to do is think of a day, like instead of thinking of it as a day, think of it as an hour. Think of a week as a day. Think of a month as a week. Think of a year as a month. The reason I say that is because when you're trying to achieve something big or small, whatever it is, maybe it's an exercise regime. Let's say you started jogging in the mornings. If you jog for one, two, three days and you don't feel any different, you can become frustrated and think, oh, this isn't really doing anything. But if you maybe try to change how you think about time and you think of those three days as almost three hours, it's pretty difficult to change something about yourself completely in three hours. And the idea is that in trying to almost zoom out your view of time, it will help help me to appreciate the necessity to stay consistent with something over a longer stretch of time than you might think in order to achieve the desired results. You can't do something for a couple of days and think, oh, why hasn't the thing I wanted happened yet? It's taking too long, I'm getting frustrated, I give up. If you can try and unchain yourself from how you typically think of time and understand that you need a broader sense of it, maybe that might help you to appreciate that some things take time. (laughs) I hope that made some kind of sense. Anyway, how about we get to what's becoming my favourite part of these podcasts, which is sharing a different song each day. And today's song is by a group called Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X-X. And the song is called All You're Waiting For. See what I did there with patience and time and so on. I know you think I'm funny. It features Nancy Wang on vocals, who is also from LCD Sound System and the one McLean. It's a dancey number. And what I particularly like about this song is the sense of anticipation building in the verses. It's a very monotone vocal melody. Very like staccato and a lot said in it. But then when it comes to the chorus, it just says one line. I'm all you're waiting for. And the melody is like, duh, 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 duh. And it feels as though the verses are an inhale. And the balloon's getting inflated and the tension's rising. And then the chorus is the exhale. It's the release and the fact that the the lyric in the chorus is all you're waiting for, the the change in vocal in the vocal melody, and the vocal pacing, emphasizes that it feels like yes, finally I've arrived at the thing I wanted. 
in the chorus. So I will share the YouTube link. My The reason I share YouTube links, by the way, is because some people have Spotify, some have Apple Music, some might have Tidal, Amazon, Google Play. But I figure if you share a YouTube link, everyone should be able to check out the song on that. So that is the song that I will share with you, All You're Waiting For by Classics. Thank you very much for listening. You can find me online if you search for the word saddest night out as one word. And do feel free to share a vocal recording with me if you are that way inclined. Hello to America and Canada, which continue to be the countries where I have the most listeners. I have no idea who in America or Canada is listening. But again, do feel free to say hi. Otherwise, I will keep the streak going and I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.